Welcome to the Daily Creed, where we help you break your limited beliefs that are holding you back from being a personal and professional success. When you master the five character traits of commitment, resilience, excellence, execution, and discipline, you will have the power to dominate your industry and live the life you desire. And now, helping you to grow in every aspect of your life, your host, J.R. Spear. All right. Today we have Mr. Richard Flint. And Richard Flint, he has over 35 years and uh, over 6,000 presentations helping leadership take an honest look at the needs of their business and be willing to lead their company, not just participate inside of their business. And the role of a leader is to lead not simply by a participation. Since COVID, many leaders have reverted back to their old leadership style, while the need is for the leader to be to pause, take an honest look at their business and see where they need to adapt, adjust and align to a new look. And today with Mr. Richard Flint, we're going to talk about preparing your company for your leadership. So Richard, thank you so much for being here today. Hey, JR, thank you. I have been looking forward to this. I'm excited about this because I think that there is, we're in a time right now where there needs to be an eye opening to what is being done, what's not being done, and the truth that people need to discover about their behavior. You know, you use the word, and uh, it's a word that's important to me, honest. And I used to work on the staff of a very, 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 very large church. And I ran the counseling division for the church. And one of the things I learned in my four years of being there was one little thought. Most people want honesty as long as it's not honest. And I think it's challenging for people to be honest about their self. I can be honest about JR all day long, and I I would enjoy Mm -hmm. that. But don't turn that microscope back on me. Yeah, why do you think that that's a problem? I mean, I think it would be a lot easier to be able to be honest about yourself since no one knows this better than us alone, right? Well, honesty, JR, requires certain things. And the first thing it requires is accountability. And I had this uh, gentleman out in uh, the Midwest that called me and wanted to know if I would come and take a look at his company and that he was having a problem. And right there was a key word to me because I don't believe in problems. I think a problem is a situation or an event that a human chooses to hang on to so that they have a reason, an excuse, or a justification for not dealing with it. So we talked a little bit about his company. He said, now, before we confirm this, I I need to say one thing to you. And I said, what's that? He said, I know my research that I've done into you. And if you come, you're going to want to spend some time with me. And he said, I am not the issue. He says, it's my people. And he says, I'm going to hire you to come spend time with my people. And I said, well, what about you? He says, well, I'm okay. It's my people. And I said to him, don't you realize that your people are a living, breathing demonstration of whom you are as the owner or the leader of this company? He said, I am not the issue. I said, well, I'm not the right person for you. Because when I come, I want to take a look at the company from the inside out. And yes, I want to talk to your people. But when it comes down to being the leader, you're either a leader that leads or you are a participant that continues the challenge, or as you call it, a problem within the company. 
Never mm-hmm. did go see that gentleman. Yeah. So when it comes to honest, you, you mentioned accountability and honesty and you know accountability to yourself. Where where does someone find or how does someone you know start to start to becoming a leader, but also becoming accountable themselves so they have that so they gain that honesty. Well, it de- it depends, Jr. on how they're living. People either live from yesterday to today or today to tomorrow. And what I have found in my research into human behavior, and I spent 35 years studying behavior. And if, if you ask anyone from around the world who's ever been in one of my audiences and you ask them, what do you remember about that guy? They'll tell you three words. Behavior never lies. That the essence of truth is not what someone says, it's what they do. And for people who live from yesterday to today, they 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 have a set of filing cabinets in yesterday. And all yesterday is is a reference library. Whatever you are today is because of what you decided to take from yesterday. And in this one set of filing cabinets, there's all the disappointments. There's all the fears. There's all the negatives. There's everything that has held them hostage. So when they come face to face with a situation, what they know is based upon what they reach back and grab hold of. And if they grab hold of the wrong things, then that limits their ability to take their company from today to tomorrow. And it's not as much about fear, Jr. And and I spent a lot of time trying to help people understand this. Fear is a positive until it becomes fright. When fear becomes negative is when we become afraid. And what I found in working with human behavior is that from the day that I was born, from the day that you were born, you and I throughout our life are going to fight six fears. And they're in all of us. Now, the interesting thing is, What's number one in JR's life might be number four in my life. But if you can't find your number one fear, then that will hold you hostage and it will turn into you being afraid to make a decision. Like, for instance, and they're in no random order, the fear of the unknown. Which I'm seeing today. I mean, it is probably the number one fear that people are dealing with today. Because in the unknown, there is a big psychological word, and that word is uncertainty. And we're living in a world in a time right now where business leaders are so uncertain. I mean, mm. they don't know what to do. When when the last couple of years, when society got turned upside down, it it demonstrated and it showed us that most people were not leaders. They were participants. So when it came time for them to be able to take their company in the midst of everything that was going on and continue to grow their company, they weren't prepared. So the unknown became one of the most frightening times in their life because the unknown heightens my my doubt, my worry, and my uncertainty in myself. And then the, the second of the six fears is the fear of abandonment that I'm going to be alone in this. And you you know this as well as I do, because you work with companies and with coaches and with people. Leadership can be a very lonely process. Because when it comes down 
to whom the leader is, they they can't just push, pull, or drag their people. They have to they have to live in the, and walk in the middle of their people. I am a theologian at heart. I mean, I went, I uh, graduated from seminary after college, and one of the things I've always studied is how did Christ master a crowd? And what he did, he always immersed himself in the crowd. He he never stood way away from them, but he would walk with them. And for you and I to be leaders, we have to understand, number one, it can be a very lonely place. But number two, it's about what we create about ourselves. I get asked all the time, what what do you think is the most powerful statement that can ever be said about a leader? And I want your your audience to listen to this because it's the greatest statement of respect that can ever be paid, that you have a positive presence that is present when you're not present. Hmm. You have a positive presence that is present when you're not present. Had a guy tell me one time, Richard, I'd love to come to one of your small group retreats. But he said, man, I can't leave my people. He says, if I, if I leave them for a weekend, this company will fall apart. I said, then isn't that a statement to you of your lack of presence, of positive presence with them? Being a leader is lonely, but it's also a place where you build and demonstrate whom you are. The third of the fears is the fear of uh, failure. And this is a big one, Jr., because we have done such a damage to people in what we teach. Um, I believe, and I, I work on this premise, that all emotions travel in threes. And that if we don't understand the three, we can't understand the full connection. For instance, yeah. what have we done? We teach success and failure. And so what do we happen? If if JR is not a success, then the only word that's left is for him to be a failure. I was doing a presence presentation in Las Vegas, and the gentleman that was on in front of me spent his 45 minutes talking about the fact you don't want to fail. You want to always prepare yourself to be successful. He finished his presentation. I walked down the stage, and I've only done this twice in my career. I looked at him as he was standing in the shadows, and I looked at the audience, and I said, I don't mean any disrespect to him, but forget everything he just said to you. Because if you accept his philosophy, there's no preparation for you to grow. Because there's success, there's failure, and then there's defeat. And defeat is when you give up. And you hide or you walk away. And you are there, but you're not having that positive presence. And people ask me, Richard, how do you define the word failure? Because I'm known for my definitions. And JR, I define failure with one word, fertilizer. Okay, explain. The purpose of fertilizer is what growth. Yeah. And fertilizer in life is experience. Fertilizing and growth is the ups and downs of life. It's it's life pulling the rug out from under you without your permission. And I bet you've had that done to you. 
And I'll bet the number of you people in your audience listening to this have had the rug pulled out from under them. And they have a choice. They either lay there with the rest of the little maggots that have decided that they're not going to do anything. Or what do they do? They, they, they come and they, they feed three things in their life. They feed their desire, their determination, and their discipline. And those three are the centerpiece to getting back up in life. It's that desire that this is where I'm supposed to be. It's that determination that I can because I will. And it's the discipline that says, throw anything you want at me, that I know I'm in the right place in my life and I'm standing where I need to be standing in my life. There's also the fear of rejection. You're not going to like me. I've watched so many uh, entrepreneurs who have sabotaged their own life because they want everybody to like them. I don't want anyone in my companies to like me. I want them to respect me. And they'll respect me because not because of what I say, but because of my behavior, because of what I do. They'll like me because I can walk in the midst of them and I can have that positive presence that even if I'm not there, it is present. And that's the greatest statement of respect. And then, Jr. there's the, the fear of loss. Huge. Would, would you agree with me that with everything you want to do with your life, there's a price tag? Oh, 100%. And you only go as far as you want to pay the price tag. Yeah. And I'm amazed at the number of people who call themselves entrepreneurs. But they're not entrepreneurs. They are escaping from their prison. And, and that is an emotional prison. And so what they do is they come and they start a business. But that fear overshadows them. Because most of the time they're not really prepared for what they're gonna what they're gonna face in their business. I know when I started uh this journey that I'm on, and man, I, I made a nice salary at the church where I was. And when I realized one day that my my crusade, my purpose there had ended, and what I was gonna do with my life next, it was frightening. Because I, I didn't have any debt. And once I made that decision and I decided I was going to do this, within three weeks, I was $75,000 in debt of putting everything together. And at that moment, I was afraid. But I had to discover what is it that's going to help me overcome this fright and it's okay to it's okay to be fearful because fear as a positive slows you down fear as a positive opens up your mind fear as a positive strengthens you from the inside out but when you let when you let fear turn to fright it becomes a total emotion and mm -hmm. fright can overwhelm your life because fright fe feeds your doubt fright feeds your worry it feeds your uncertainty. So what am I doing there? I'm living from the outside in, not the inside out. Yeah, I want to and pause right there really quick uh, as, we, as we get ready to go to our first break. Because, but you're going through a lot of really cool things on, on talking about the diff different types of fear. And uh, I definitely want to lean on that a little bit more because they're, you know, for me, it's resonating pretty clear 
about you know stuff that I've gone through. I mean, I've I've gone through many different journeys myself, building six different businesses uh, since my entrepreneur career, and you know I've I probably hit every single one of these: the fear of the unknown, fear of the loss, fear of the failure, fear of rejection, all these different things. And, and I think that every person out there can definitely relate to it. But I want to hit back on on some uh, more more of your fears, and then I want to lean in a little bit more into a question that uh, that definitely came to my mind is like, okay, then what makes a great leader? So when when we, when we come back from a break, I want to hit on those uh, additional fears and then also answer that question as we continue on with the rest of our show. So stay tuned. And we'll be back in a minute. And now a word from our sponsors. Navigating the business world can be daunting. Welcome to the Business Leaders Network, a community of like-minded entrepreneurs ready to share invaluable experience. As a BLN member, enjoy dynamic networking opportunities with high-level entrepreneurs, learn cutting-edge strategies from industry experts, and gain a platform to showcase your business. Get started today for only $37, which is less than your daily cup of coffee. Join a community that can transform your business. Visit www.blncommunity.com to get started. Your success it's our mission at BLN. Let's navigate the business world together. And now back to the show. And today we are talking about how to prepare your company for leadership. And Richard started out the first part of the show on talking about the different types of fears, on the fear of unknown, the fear of failure, the fear of uncertainty, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss. And I want to continue on with that and then also give you guys more tips and tools of how you guys can overcome this to being a great leader. But I want to hand the mic back over to Richard as he continue to talk about the different types of fears. So Richard, thank you so much for being here and looking forward to the rest of our discussion. You know, JR, we've talked about the fear of the unknown, which is huge. We've talked mm-hmm. about the fear of abandonment, the fear of failure, fear of loss. And there's one more fear. And here's the important thing about this next fear. It's the number one fear of young entrepreneurs. It's the fear of success. And you think, really? Okay. How can that be? How can people be afraid of success? Because people have an unrealistic definition of success. And I think today, with so many young entrepreneurs, they've never really been taught what it is to have that internal belief, trust, and faith in yourself. I mean, Jr. do you think that a parent can do too much for a child? Oh, absolutely not. I mean, there's never too much that we can do. Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to disagree with you here because okay. one of the things that I found in doing counseling is that a child needs to be, par- be prepared to live, not spoiled. Yes. I'll give you an illustration that when I was on the church staff, I had this dad bring his – Ten and a half year old son to me, and he he told me he said, "Richard, you got to help me with this kid because if you don't, I'm going to kill him." He <laughs> says, "I just don't know what to do with this child." And so we sat there and we talked, and followed this. Ten and a half years of age. Every Monday morning, he got his weekly allowance. Now, open your ears and listen. Five. Hundred dollars a week. And how old was this kid? Ten? Ten and a half. Wow. Okay. And the interesting thing was, JR, by Wednesday he was broke. Yeah. No drugs, no alcohol. What he did was he bought his friends. 
So he had friends until Wednesday. And when I talked to him, you know, his attitude was, I don't worry about any of this because my dad will get me out of anything I get into. And I, I never remember, I never forget the first night that I visited him in a jail cell because he got, he got picked up and he was belligerent. The 10-year-old did? Yep. He got, he was belligerent to the police. And he told me, he said, I don't need to talk to you. He said, my dad will get me out of this. And you know what? His dad did. And today, that young person is an absolute mess. Because he believes that society owes him. And one of the things I see in so many young entrepreneurs, they don't understand what success is. And success is a behavior. It's not things. It's a behavior that is all about preparing you to take your talents and your skills and blend them with a group of people so that everything you're doing is about taking a step forward. And there are, there are three things that every great leader I've ever studied brings to their people. They bring the common purpose. Why are we in business? Where do we really want to go with this company? Because if there's not a common purpose, then everything is scattered. Everything is a crisis. I'm in California. Young lady by the name of Daisy brought me into her sales company to speak to him. And I came in a day early so I could set in on the sales meeting before I was to speak. And there were a thousand people in the room. And Daisy stood there and she she pronounced her vision for the year. And she asked the people, are you with me? Everybody went, yeah. So we walked out of the room and I walked out behind two of her managers. And I just was paying attention to the conversation. One manager looked at the other manager and said, well, that was a bunch of crap. So I walked over and I tapped him on the shoulder and I said, I need to introduce myself to you. My name is Richard Flint. And for the next year, I'm going to help Daisy put this crap together. Now, you and I have two options. We can go back in together and the three of us sat down with, you know, with Daisy and you tell her you think this is a bunch of crap. Or if you're not comfortable, I'll go tell her for you. And within three months, we let both of them go. Because what happens if people don't have that common purpose? There is not a direction. And then with that common purpose, you got to have a common agenda. I mean, have you ever been in a situation where in a room everybody agrees and then they walk out and they do their separate thing? Mm -hmm. And if there's not a common agenda, then the common purpose is destroyed. And then in the third part, I'm going to take you down a little bit into one of my beliefs. There is a difference because there has to be not only common purpose, common agenda, but there has to be a common commitment. And JR, there is a commitment that's with words that is different than a commitment with conviction. 
And what I find in so many business leaders today, because of their confusion, because of their conflict, because of the uncertainty, because of their their fright to deal with their company, their commitment is with words. And those words then have to be demonstrated. And what I have found in a lot of companies, there are four things that destroy that company, and they all tie into commitment. Inconsistencies. And an inconsistency to me is a people issue. And it's where people are are not convicted and committed to what they say they're going to do. And what do inconsistencies do? They kill a company from the inside. And then there's inefficiencies. And inefficiencies, again, are a people issue. And where where do inefficiencies come from? People who don't care. People who have a job. And I don't mean to offend anybody, but my definition of a job is an environment that a human goes to every day where they prostitute themselves for a paycheck. <laughs> and they're really not committed. Really, yeah, we're seeing this today with, with the lack of commitment. And everybody wants more, but they want less. They want to do less. And yeah, it, it, if I can pause you on a sec, because you make me, it made me, it made me chuckle because I went and got a haircut today. And there was a guy that, that came in there, an older gentleman, he sat down and the, the, you know, the person that was cutting my hair, she said, Hey, I got a couple people in front of you. And he goes, Oh, don't worry about it. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm getting paid to sit here. And it really made me think about it. It's like, okay, he has a job that he does it, but he's also abusing the the company itself. So I look at it from both different standpoints, like, okay, these people can get away with certain things for not actually being efficient, not actually doing what they're supposed to be doing for getting, for, for completing their job. And he was wearing, uh, some uniform shirt and, and pants and stuff like that. And, and I just kind of laughed. I was like, man, I would not hire someone like that to be on my team unless they were very high level and they're doing, you know, certain things and stuff like that. But it just, it just made me chuckle and think about that on uh, when you were talking about a job. And don't you see that every day? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm checking into a, I, I, I saw it at a grocery store yesterday and you know, the, the person <laughs> I was getting the carts, the, the girl that was getting the carts, she was out there doing, you know, getting all the carts and you could go, I went inside so she was she was back by my uh, by my car and I go inside and I'm like there's absolutely no car there's probably like ten carts inside and you look outside and they're all out there but she's talking to her boyfriend or whatever that's not even in uniform and just you know having a good old time you know lean up again there I'm like what what's up with this people just don't want to work nowadays oh I'll tell you an illustration that goes like that I was checking into a hotel um, in Albuquerque New Mexico and I walked up the counter and I'm standing there and the young man behind the counter was on his cell phone. And didn't take long to realize what he was doing is he was talking to his girlfriend. And I, I stood there and I'm, I'm a very patient person. And he looked at me and he gave yeah. me one of these. So I stood there for a minute or so. And then I just reached across the counter and disconnected his cell phone was laying there. I disconnected his call. And he said, what are you doing? I said, all I want to do is check in. He said, I would have gotten to you. I looked at him and said, I'm not sure I would have lived that long. <laughs> there just wasn't that there wasn't that commitment to what they're doing. Yeah. And I may tell you something. Too many leaders today, because they're fearful of not being able to replace people. They keep people that are wrong. Someday, mm. some 
place somehow. I'd really love to explore this with you. But companies are made up of three groups. Sponges who are new people, who are eager, eager to learn. Spectators, who are the people who go to work every day, not to work, but to watch. And they're dangerous because they're the enemy. And they want to destroy the spirit of the little sponges, and they can do it. In every company, there is a leader. In a lot of companies, that leader are the spectators. And then there's the camels who are the backbone of your company. And these are the people that you go to when you really need something done. And and they're committed. I mean, they're committed with conviction, but they're also the number one group leaving companies today because they're tired of watching people who call themselves leader give the spectators permission and watch them destroy the little sponges. And now a word from our sponsors. Stuck in growth and need more time to serve your clients? Let J.R. Spear and his Creed Consulting team help. We offer a full done-for-you service, strategizing and building your program to scale fast. From video shoots to web design and automation, we've got you covered. Our expertise gives you more time to deliver the quality your clients deserve. Ready to build faster and serve better? Call us today at 314-221-9216 and let's kickstart your coaching program and build the quality of product your clients deserve. And now back to the show. All right. Today, we were talking all about preparing as a leader. And we had a very special guest, Richard Flint. And unfortunately, he had some technical issues. But I'm going to continue on with the conversation because he had some really amazing topics and notes that I think is beneficial for all of the listeners here. But we're talking about the different types of failures inside of your guys' business. And we and some of the failures are going to include like the, the fear of the unknown, the fear of being uncertain, the fear of success, the fear of rejection, the fear of loss. And we also talked about the three different types of of employees within a company. And you have like the sponge of the employee. So the sponge is going to be the type of person that's going in there. And they're wanting to learn. They're coachable. They want to grow. And they really want to excel inside of the company. These are the people that we really want to go in there and just kind of be the backbone of everything that we do. But then we also have the spectators. And the spectators can either hurt you or help you. But essentially, the spectators in the company, you know, they can be the poison inside of your company. They're the ones that are, you know, just kind of in there. They're watching. But there is, as Richard said, they're also some of the leaders inside of the company that can also lead people to a place that you don't want them to go to when it comes to you know, uh, leading you know, the vision of the company of what you want to do. So uh, so when it, when it comes to the being the spectator, we got to make sure that we are definitely watching as a leader of the company and being able to pinpoint who these individuals are. And then we got the camels that are the backbone of the company. These are the people that are going to lead the pack and lead from the front and be able to help move the company forward. So when you're looking at a company as a whole, we want to make sure that we identify who these three different types of people are. So you have the the sponges, you have the spectators and the camels. And, you know, you can, you can look at this in a couple of different ways. And, and one thing that Richard said is, and I, I, I speak about this a lot to my clients, is people are just not quick enough to let people go. We keep people too long. We keep people in the wrong place, in the wrong positions too long. For a couple different reasons, you know, it could be just, you know, that we're, we're too emotionally attached to that person, or we have a 
fear of thinking that no one else can do this position or the, we're going to fall behind because no one else can be able to do what we what we need them to do or we're gonna, if we if we have a lack of training uh, for them that we're not going to be able to move fast enough and stuff there's so many different reasons why we keep people in different positions for a period of time but we're just not letting go of the wrong people at the right uh, you know fast enough and we we have to recognize that as fast as we can and so I, I run into this quite a bit with a lot of different companies. I mean, I'm, I own two businesses of my own, and then I'm also partners in multiple others. And uh, one, one of the companies that I work with right now, and we're running into that same issue. And it's like we have people in the places that they shouldn't be doing. And, and unless we go in there as the leader of the company to really say, hey, you know what? This is not your genius zone, or you shouldn't be in this position. The longer we keep them there, the longer we're going to keep having issues inside of the company. So we got to make sure we recognize who those people are, what those positions are, and be able to take action as the leader to move them as fast as we can. So we, uh, I want to welcome back Richard Flint to, to our show as we had some technical issues. But Richard, when we came back from the break, I was just kind of um, you know piggybacking on what you were saying about the the three different types of people in the company, being the sponges, the, the spectators, and the camels. But then also something that you said that I think was really powerful, because I'm going through right now with some of my clients and it's keeping people too long we keep people in position too long either they're in the wrong position or they're you know not doing the right thing or they just need to be out of the company fast and uh i i personally would love to hit on that a little bit deeper because this is an ongoing issue that i'm seeing with a lot of clients of mine but even other companies people that i know it's like man this person doesn't belong here. They'll either be better here or they need to be gone and we need to find someone else. Why do you think that is? Why do you think we keep people in certain positions when they shouldn't be? And why do we hold on to certain employees when they shouldn't even be there? Are you back with me? I, I, you froze there for a second. We're back? Yes, I'm here. Did you, right. did you hear my question? Yeah, I heard it. Okay, let me let me play psychologist with you for a second because that I am. Um but there, there are certain reasons why this is happening. Number one is because of the, the, the labor market today. And that we are fearful that if we let someone go, we're not going to be able to replace them. I have so yeah. many entrepreneurs today that have small to average size companies. And, you know, they put advertisements out. They'll have six people respond and they'll set up interviews and maybe one will show up. So it creates that fear, you know, and I've had them tell me having this person is better than having no one. So what happens is that leader abdicates their role as leader and gives it to that person that they're afraid of. The second thing is, and this is because entrepreneurs sometimes lack the understanding, that spectator is the only one in the company that has the knowledge in-depth knowledge to do what they're doing. And they're not going to train anybody because if they train somebody, then it opens the door for them to be let go. And, yeah. and so what happens is they, they hold the leader hostage w within the company. And, and you know what? The third reason is sometimes the entrepreneur cares too much about people. And you know how many times I've heard this? You're right, Richard. I need to let them go because they're hurting the company. But man, they got a family. They got mouths to feed. And there's a fourth reason. They're family. Hmm. They're family. I've worked with companies where we've had to fire the wife 
Oh, wow. I've worked with companies where we've had to fire the children. I've worked with a company where we've actually had to fire the father. Hmm. Family has to, how do I say this? Family has to not be family when you enter the door. JR, perfect example. I had to fire my mother-in-law. You want to talk about a tough time? Because when when Karen, who is my wife, who runs the company, when she came to me because we moved our, our headquarters from Virginia, from Florida to Virginia, and Karen said, I want to hire my mother. I said, for what? To, to work in the warehouse. She can do this. I said, well, what happened? I said, but I'm not the one hiring her. And now a word from our sponsors. Ready to elevate your coaching business and make a profound impact? Discover your roadmap in J.R. Spears' book, The Success Guide to Building Your Coaching Empire. Immerse in wisdom earned through years of successful coaching, presenting a strategic battle plan to navigate challenges and seize opportunities. Don't just survive, but thrive in your industry. Get your copy at www.jrspear.com today. Let this guide be your companion in your journey to a powerful coaching empire. Transform your business and make a bigger impact now. And now back to the show. So it came to the place where I had to fly back in one day after a presentation, walk into my offices and fire my mother-in-law. That was one week before Thanksgiving. Coldest Thanksgiving dinner I've ever had in my life. Because we were at my mother-in-law's house. Mm. And everybody everybody pitied her. And I had to be the bad person. But if you're not working with me through that common purpose, common agenda, and that commitment with conviction, then you're working against me. And let me just put this on the table. Because I have 16 laws that I use. And this is one of the laws. It's number three. Anything you don't confront, you validate. If I validate your behavior, it's no longer your issue. It's mine because you're only doing what I've given you permission to do. Yeah. And it's amazing how many entrepreneurs fear confrontation. All confrontation is, is the skill of resolution. That's all it is. Well, that boils down to culture, too, that we want to accept. And it's like a, it's almost like the, you as the leader, the owner of the company is like where we accept this type of culture of whatever behavior. And I like how you say where everything boils down to behavior. And what was the word you said? It says success is is the behavior that happens. Success is a behavior. Yeah. So it's the same thing. So it's like, okay, if we're, if we're enabling it or allowing it, I mean, it doesn't matter who the person is. It's just, going to continue leading and other people are going to see that it's okay if you allow someone to get away with one thing then everyone else is going to see it's okay to get with one thing but um i, I know this could be a whole nother topic but i like to uh i like you to kind of give your, your little your little spill on it or your thought on, on 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 company culture like how how important is it and then how do you establish a culture of efficiencies and consistencies and commitment well the answer is simple, but it's complex. Yeah. And that is that a company is an environment. And that environment is created by leadership. People follow leadership. And if the leader isn't leading, JR, people need to understand this. I said it a little bit earlier. In every company, there's a leader. 
And many times it's not the leader. They're the participant. But it's the people they won't confront. It's the people that don't want to share purpose, agenda, and commitment. And what they do is because the leader isn't strong enough. Every great leader, every great leader shares a certain group of characteristics, and they come in an order. First thing they do is they listen. They listen. Second thing they do is they communicate. Third thing they do is they confront. And then the fourth thing they do is that they delegate. They don't hold people from growing. And then the last thing they do, they make decisions in a timely fashion. They don't let things grow emotionally inside the company. When I'm inside of a company, I find that 99% of all of the negative issues are because of the choices that the leader has made. And if that choice is made out of fear or being afraid, if that is not designed to keep the company moving from today to tomorrow, then that person is not the leader. They're the participant in the confusion. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. And it just, it always starts at the top. I mean, it starts at the top. I mean, for me, I look at it as the vision. It's like, what do we want the culture to look like? What do we want the, talk about purpose. What do we want it to look like? And how do we, how do we establish that? But, you know, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying because it, it's a, it's a it's very simple, but it's very complex to start establishing. But when to take it on another level, how do you stop the bleeding once it's already been established with a bad culture? <laughs> I become the leader. I stop being the participant. I realize that the role of the leader is to lead, not to participate. And to do that, Jr. I got to ask myself four questions and I got to be honest with the answers. What do I really want for my company? Number two, why do I really want this? Number three, and these last two are really tough. What price am I willing to pay to achieve it? And then the last question is where it really gets personal. What behaviors will I have to improve in order to make it happen? Mm. JR, all behavior has an agenda. And I am a person who believes that there is always an agenda behind the agenda. And that many times the agenda is not the real agenda. Yeah. And all that does is create confusion. Why? Because if I state this as the agenda and my behavior states another agenda, my people are not going to respect me. They're going to be confused and there's going to be conflict inside the company. And I tell you who's going to notice this, your two hump camels. Number one reason, I took 100 two hump camels. And I had that left to come and asked him, why did you leave? There were 10 reasons they gave me to leave. Number one. And all of them was they lost respect for leadership because of the inconsistencies. Hmm. You have to run a company from the inside, not the outside. 
we put too much emphasis on the external customer. The external customer is not your most important customer. Your internal customer is the most important customer because they create your reputation with your external customer. Wow, that's powerful. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I'm, I'm thinking about this again with some of my staff members or you know other or other people within companies that I'm work with, and looking at team members, looking at staff members, and we're looking, we're talking about branding, we're talking about the way that we present with the customers. It's like, hey, if we're not all uniform, we're not all doing things the same way. If we're not all able to communicate well, dressed well, whatever it may be, all the different characteristics, traits that we exemplify as a company as a whole, if we're not all doing the same, they're representing us as a whole. Each one of us is representing each other. And it's so powerful that you said that because if one person goes out there and they're being, you know, let's just say, you know, spoiled fungus out with our customers, you know, just going to spread amongst the entire company. And, and it's so true. We have to start from the inside because it's going to bleed out to the outside. And I, I think we get our priorities wrong where it's like we want to start on the outside and hope that the inside just gets fixed. And that never really happens. And we, we want our customers to fix our staff, to fix the team, to fix whatever it may be when we have to do that internally before we do it externally. It's a powerful statement. Yeah, I, yeah, I spent the last five years of my life researching companies. And what I've done is I've created the most in-depth thing any owner could ever go through. It's called the success house. And what it is, it's eight modules. It's a 16-week program, eight modules. And each module looks at something within the company that needs to be improved or understood. Module number one is understanding this. There are only two foundations in life that a person can build their life and their company on. There is one foundation that is guided by doubt, worry, and uncertainty. That's the foundation I'm seeing today that's ruining so many companies. There's the other foundation, which is built on belief, trust, and faith. I mean, I believe in me, and my people know that I believe in me, and I believe in what we're doing. I trust that I can provide the leadership that's needed because I am going to be honest from the inside. My people know that. And then I have the faith that no matter what is thrown at us together, and I don't use the word team with my people. I use the word partnership. We are not a team. We are partners in our common purpose, our common agenda, and our common commitment. That's really good. Hey, we're down to the last three minutes of our show for today. And I want I want you to have an opportunity to really explain to the audience about who you help and how they can get in touch with you and how you can make an impact in their lives. Why don't you share a little bit about that? The thing that I'm on today, JR, is this success house that I've created. And it's a by invitation only program. For every 10 people that I interview to become part of this program, I, I will turn six of them away because they're not ready for this. This is a look at the inside of your company. It's a look at these foundations. It's a look at how do you balance your family with your company? How do you have this, the home support you need? It's a look at why you fight change. It's a look at those things that make a company dysfunctional. It's a look at how do you create that presence that has that positive presence that you're not present. And it's all on a website called successhouse.co. Successhouse, not C-O-M, successhouse.co. And there's a video there. And if you go there and you're interested, there's a place you can book a 30-minute call with me. And what people need to understand, I play no games. 
And I am the toughest person you'll ever have in your life because I'm not afraid to walk away from you if you don't want to follow what you need to do. I'm not afraid to do that because people ask me, what percentage of people ever use anything you teach? Two percent. Two percent. And all I'm doing is looking for the two percent. That's what I want. So if your listeners are interested, go to successhouse.co. Watch the video. Book the call with me. What have you got to lose? I may give you some insights that will turn your company around just in those 30 minutes. And if you want to know more about my company and all the different facets of things we do, it's richardflint.com. Richardflint.com. And we're doing a lot of amazing things. I used to do one big conference every year. We'd have three, 400 people there. I stopped that. And what I'm doing today is a series of small group retreats limited to 15 people. And it's in depth. It takes you deep into what it is. We have one coming up in October and it's uh, the theme is stop chasing your tail. How do you learn the power to pace? Patience and persistency. And it's on the website. But there you go, guys. Yeah. Can I say one last thing? Oh, absolutely. If if you walk around my house here in South Florida, you'll find that in three places, there's a sticky note has the same statement on every one of those sticky notes. And it's what guides my life today. One statement. Somebody's going to need me today. Somebody is going to need me today. And I get up every day preparing my life for whoever whoever that person is that's going to need me today. And they're always there. They're always there. People are searching today. And this is why I respect what you do. I think you're doing a great service for people. Thank you for listening to The Daily Creed. We hope you enjoyed. For more, connect with us at www.blncommunity.com. That's www.blncommunity.com. We'll see you here next time.